0: 321 and we are back. Hey everyone, it's June the 29th, 2020. Um, and I want to welcome back my lovely wife Thank to you. the show. It's
1: great to be back. Missed all of you guys.
0: Yeah, and I almost believe her.
1: <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
0: so Julie Julie is operating at a 90% capacity. Uh, you know, across the board, mentally, emotionally, and physically. So yes, thank you for all of you guys who sent nice messages to her. She she was just suffering from a bout of essentially Saharan dust-induced asthma, but she's much better now. All right, so we picked up, or we are going to pick up where we left off last week. We were talking about essentially the fact that you have a moral obligation to be rich, and the feedback I've been receiving personally, and evidently Julia has been as well, people really love this topic. Why do people love this topic so much?
1: You know, I think it's keeping it real. I've I've had several coaching calls and some emails and texts and people saying that they appreciate uh, the clarity of which you, you know, you were doing this uh, last week, talking about the impact of actually taking care of yourself and your family financially, but what that allows you to do in the world and in contrasting that with complacency. I, I think that was the theme that I heard mostly was you helped them get out of complacency. And with so many different things going on in the world and easy to get distracted by what's in your email and on the news and all that, it's easy to get not just complacent, but some of them were saying they were starting to feel depressed about things. Yep. And you brought it full circle saying, hey, you know what? It's time to make hay while the sun shines because pretty much everything can be solved by making more money. That right. That is a fact jack.
0: That is a fact jack, which we're going to be rolling into in point three, and which is uh, point three, point four, and point five are okay. my favorite points. Yeah. So you're <laughs> reading my mind. Segue. Um, before we do, I have a really – I, actually, I didn't tell you about this either. I have an announcement. We actually have put together a mastermind webinar that I want all of you guys to attend. The mastermind webinar, I think the system allows 200 people to attend at one time. I really don't remember. And all you have to do to attend – and this is where I'm going to do live interviews. I, I think I'm going to end up probably having 12 or 14 – uh, top producers that we're going to interview, and they're, you're going to be able to listen in as I ask them questions about you know all the things you want answers to. These are mostly top producers, some of the nation's top producing agents. Um, no matter what the market is, there are our bellwether agents. And I want you to attend that mastermind. Like I said, it is limited space just because of the nature of the technology and the way you get your, um, you have to, basically you have to text the word, well not basically, test, text the word mastermind to 31996 text the word mastermind to 31996 and you're going to be texted back a link that's going to allow you to schedule we've scheduled three dates where we're going to be doing this mastermind everyone's going to be slightly different but make sure you go ahead and text the word mastermind as one word mastermind as one word the 31996 and then you can attend the mastermind that we're doing where we're going to be or i'm going to be interviewing some of the top agents in the nation who are also harris coaching clients so please go ahead and text the word master Mind to three one nine nine six, that is going to be a great source of motivation for you guys because you're going to hear basically how the top producing agents, many of the top producing agents in the country, actually think and what they're actually doing. And you're also going to notice we don't talk about recessions or depressions, and we're not going to talk about the coronavirus not once during this mastermind because everyone's bored of talking about it. We're just going to talk about success and how to move forward. So go ahead and text the word mastermind one word to three one nine nine six. All right, so. Let's talk about this. If you've not been listening to the podcast since last week, um, do go back and listen to the previous podcast. I'd say starting on Wednesday. I think that's right. Or maybe even starting on Tuesday. Starting on Tuesday, actually. No, 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 Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. starting on Wednesday of last week. Go back and listen to the past podcast. Um, again, the, the sort of the tsunami of feedback we're getting on this uh, series of podcasts is really fantastic. And I think it's the right information at the right time. So go back and listen. We're on Stitcher, iTunes, all your you know convenient podcast listening devices. Just go back and listen, and you'll be caught back up. And also, we do a Sunday podcast. <laughs> I had somebody ask me. If the Sunday podcast you and I did, you know, yesterday was part of the series, it's not. On Sunday guys, what we do is Julie and I pretty much just strap on our mics, our lavalier mics, and we just go someplace and we just chill and we talk about whatever comes to mind. Yep. Occasionally we'll have something that you know that we want to share with you guys, but most of the times we just sort of defrag from the week. And I've listened back to a couple of those, forgetting what we talked about. And I think you and I literally might be nuts. The, 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 <laughs> we, we do have fun with it. That's how true. our thoughts flow on some of these things doesn't make well, any sense. You know
1: what? That's how
0: it goes with us sometimes. Uh, I mean, we, we, a couple weeks ago, you <laughs> realized we went from talking about aliens to sex dolls to you know, know. real estate prices to, <laughs> it can be anything,
1: anything it's
0: like, goes. It's like, good Lord. So have
1: all been warned about the Sunday show. Yeah.
0: But listen to the Sunday shows. If you guys want to hear Julie a I a little bit unplugged, we enjoy them just because we don't have to feel like we have to deliver some, you know, we warn you ahead of time. If yeah. this is just complete waste of your hour, well, it's your fault. Or sometimes you usually go, they some go 90 minutes, two hours. All right. right. So point number three, and now this is the premise of these points. Bottom line is that nobody wants you to be rich. And you know those those are the sum that's summary of essentially rule two. So rule one is rich is where your money works for you, and you no longer have to work for your money. Rule uh, two is no one, not even your mama, wants you to be rich. Now rule three, and this is the one where it gets to be interesting, in my opinion, is everything is better when you're rich. Nothing is worse. Now isn't that funny? Why did I have to write it like that? Because so many surveys and all these dumbass things that, you know, there's a new survey that says if you have an a- income of $80,000 in a family of four, that you're, quote unquote, happier than a multimillionaire. You guys see these reports sometimes. Well, let's actually, remembering those types of reports, think about maybe what their agenda is. What's the agenda, of, uh, essentially, when you read an article like that, what, what are they really trying to do? Are they trying to make you feel uh, okay for being being mediocre? Maybe. Are they trying to basically discourage you from essentially becoming rich yourself? Are they trying to discourage you because it's part of their own personal agenda, whoever wrote, wrote the article, or maybe something larger scale, to always stay beholden to the system? By the system, I mean the government, by the edu- you know schools, all these things. When Julie and I talked at length yesterday Mm -hmm. on how there's gonna be I think it was four to six thousand colleges and universities that are projected to fail because people are now going, Hey, you know what? Maybe we don't need to be spending all this damn money going to bricks and mortar if we can do it on a Zoom, you know? No. what's the value of, so you're going to see a lot of the existing uh, you know the paradigms that we're all been living through that we've normalized they're all in flux every single thing out there's going to fight to defend itself because nothing wants it to change think how many pieces and parts just to stick on the university analogy for a second think how many people and just different pieces and parts are interdependent on the continuated uh, the continuation the belief that you have to go to college or university and you have to pay some ridiculous amount of money Scott Galloway was talking about this and um, you know basically as something like in the last 10 years or maybe it was 15 years, the price of college has increased by 1600% 1600 and then he asks the question well did the value that they're providing increase by 1600% the argument can be made the actual value of what you are receiving for your college degree has degraded not increased so there's a for example now how many different things are going to fight for all those you know universities and colleges and all those employees and all the everything's going to fight to keep that uh, alive even if it's in a completely outdated and sort of you know dysfunctional institution and in, in conceptually anyway. I'm always speaking in broad terms here guys don't take any of this overly personal just keep this in mind. So that was you know essentially rule number two and rule number three again, Rule number three is everything is better when you're rich, nothing is worse. When you, have a normal, when you have normal life problems, does having money make those problems better or worse? Even the worst case scenarios of life are better when you're rich. You have no problems when your problems can go away when you write a check. By the way, I didn't say that. Somebody else did. I heard that someplace else and it's so true. You have no problems when your problems can go away when you write a check. The, the problems you have when you have money are way better than the problems you have when you're rich. And having been Julie and I when we got married almost 30 years ago, um, and I grew up, you know, occasionally poor. And you know, when Julie and I got married, we were definitely poor. Yep. And I can promise you that the problems that we had yeah. then were sub- it's it's food and shelter problems. It's it's basic needs problems when you don't have.
1: Well, I mean, health insurance. You can do everything, everything is affected i remember because we've moved so many times i remember one of our moves i found our original grocery list oh yeah i remember uh, it was our
0: budget our budget and uh, and
1: my list which i could get with the thirteen dollars a week that we were spending on groceries and it was basically things like uh raymond noodles and apples you know i don't really like eating raymond noodles that's not better that's being being poor is, is not better it's not a lot of people don't have health insurance how many times do you say you know i can't afford it Having money is better.
0: Well, you're, you you know, know, you're teeing you me up. You can
1: apply it now. to everything.
0: You're teeing me up for the next sentence yep. here. People romanticize the idea of living simple lives out on the prairie or out in the jungle. But, the I mean, how about this guy? There's this big movement of millennials that are rolling around the country in these vans and everything. Mm, right. I mean, that's not a thing that's going to be sustainable, right? You think you're going to raise a family in a van? I mean, that's I not really... i watched
1: that movie. What was the guy that, that did that for a while and it was all great until he was poisoned by whatever he thought he was going to eat? Remember that That movie? was actually a famous I book. I don't yeah. remember,
0: but the historical
1: facts—the
0: the historical facts that the tribal nations of human are was actually quite horrible. The Indian tribes of the south southwest actually committed some of the most brutal atrocities ever accounted for. Rape and murder were normal in the prairies. There, uh, there weren't any uh, spiritual meccas of well-being. The funny story is – I'm reading all this, guys. I wrote this a while ago. How every time every time a, a, tr- a lost tribe is found – oh, I remember this part. This is great. Every time a lost tribe is found – well, I'll tell you where I got – I'll just summarize it, and I'll tell you guys a story. So there was a – I think it was a movie on HBO or something we were watching. I bet you know, a lot of these guys watch the same thing, mm-hmm. where it showed, like, these sort of um, – you know these long telephoto lenses, and there are you know, drones, and they're you know filming this tribe that had never really sort of come out of the jungle, and there are these little aborig, you know these little you know uh, there. I think it was in um, gosh, I don't even remember what jungle. Um, but anyway, they were literally living off the earth and they, they would, they were not, um, they were not immune to anything. They would catch everything. They had to avoid coming in contact with any Westerner. They were walking around naked. This is recent guys. This isn't like a thousand years ago. Uh, they were hunting, they were living off the earth and they okay. So they essentially, they were discovered, let's say they were found, this lost tribe. And, um, if any of you guys remember the name of this tribe, um, Could you please uh, text me at 512-758-0206? I need to freshen up my memories in this because it's a really interesting thing that happened. So the scientists said, okay, well, they'd been studying this lost tribe at distance and the lost tribe evidently were starting to pick up that they were being studied. And, you know, of course, they didn't know what white people were with cameras and all the rest of it. And, and, you know, a lot of that was, you know, scary to them. So Mm -hmm. they figured out that the, um, you know, the scientists figure, well, we need to essentially let them know that we're here and we're no threat and, um, again, guys, recent history, and so they did. And then the um, you know these big you know these little jungle uh, people that have living in jungles their whole lives, meeting these mostly big British you know people. It was shocking for them. I mean, you can imagine. All right, so what happened was is that one scientist would basically, you know, make himself known and it would be something that they would feel okay with and comfortable with and okay, these guys aren't a threat. And there would be two or three more. And of course, you know, there're always the debate, should we then try to, you know, should we uh, go and give these guys vaccines? What should we be doing to try to help them? And then they would, you know, you then saw during this movie, you saw that these tribal people saw these scientist people wearing clothes and the tribal people were going like Why the hell am I not wearing clothes? I remember
1: this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then sure enough, within like, you know, it wasn't even a year... There were no naked tribal people running around. They're all wearing clothes. They figured out how to get clothes. They realized basically wearing clothes was better than walking around with loincloths. Turns out that kind of sucks, especially when you're worrying about fire ants and God knows whatever else in the jungle wants to right. snip at your your, your uh, wedding Clothing vegetables. Clothing
1: better than running around naked. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So then what happens is they, you know, you show, I remember, then you see the nature of their um, living standards start to change the the little gra- the, the thatch huts all of a sudden have, you know, the little tiny little changes you see that are starting to take place. And then they start discovering the outside world. They start being curious about the outside world. And maybe there's one of them. And I think this is the case. Maybe there was one. I think I remember this one guy who was him and his wife and maybe his kid or something like that. I don't remember. And then he branches out and he goes and gets a He leaves. He, you know, breaks all the rules. He follows the Westerners out of the jungle. He then somehow, you know, he was. there's obviously been other, you know, lost tribes that were discovered that got integrated into Western civilization. So he's all of a sudden basically the first one of his, you know, tribe to get out of the jungle. And he then gets a job and, you know, he gets an iPad and an iPhone and he starts a TikTok account. I don't know. You guys get my point. Okay. And so then he goes back into the jungle and then he tells all of his, you know, the people in the jungle about, hey, guess what? You can live in a place with air conditioning. Hey, guess what? You can go to a store. You can huh. get food. Who knew? Hey, guess what? You actually don't have to work 24 hours a day worrying about your base needs and survival. You can actually go someplace. Even at the very bottom of the you know socioeconomic totem pole, the quality of the life this guy discovered when he left the jungle was so much better than the life he had in the jungle. And he went back. And he told all the other people in the tribe about what he had experienced. And you know what they all did? They got the hell out of the jungle. That's what they did. Okay? Because the the bottom line is, is that he wanted the better quality of life and so did all of them.
1: So the moral of the story is (laughs) exposure to newer, better, bigger, more interesting, better, more fulfilling things. Yeah. Generally motivates people. Having, you know, not necessarily, I don't know if you would say more, but what you're saying that we're all spiritual beings in a material world. Yeah, we're all, I mean, we're all
0: spiritual beings in a physical in manifestation. manifestation. Yeah. Yes. And so, the, you know, Julie's bringing a good salient point. So really at the end of the day, that's what that, you know, that's what that lost tribe discovered. You know, we are all spiritual beings and you guys can, you know, quantify spiritual however you'd like to, or maybe you don't. If you're an atheist, that's fine. And then, um, yeah, in physical incarnation. So we need stuff to basically survive. We need clothes. We need food. We need shoes. We need houses. We need cars. We need those cell phone. You know, we need all these things. And so the stuff that you get might as well be nice stuff. And in order, and don't feel that this is essentially the counterpunch or the anecdote feeling that it's bad being materialistic it's not bad being materialistic you don't have a choice but to be materialistic all of us are materialistic by the very nature of what we are we cannot survive in this you know environment this harsh earth without stuff and that's the reason we have stuff that's the reason we live in houses that's the reason you're listening to me right now probably on your iphone because you need it to survive to be relevant. Now. Here's the uh, the takeaway from all of this, and I want you to think about this because there is a lot of people, are a lot of people, that romanticize the whole concept of essentially having a simplistic life, living off the earth, essentially having nothing to worry about other than basically your food and your shelter. Worrying about your food and your shelter is a lot to worry about. Not knowing, not having any real financial security, really being dependent on the ebbs and flows of life in general, leaves you beholden and never causes you to be free. So it's the exact opposite. People think that if you are essentially living a very simplistic life, you are free. You're not free. You're just plagued by the constant chasing of more base needs. So the idea that more money doesn't improve the quality of your life is absolute crap. Of course it does. Because again, the more money you have, the fewer things ultimately you have to worry about. And I mean, there's so much cultural garbage about that very topic. And why is it that people want you to believe? Here's a funny thing. The people that are telling you that more money doesn't make you happier, have you ever noticed they're already rich? And so when you hear somebody come out, I, there was somebody recently that said something which was ridiculous. He said something like, I'm not, you know, this person was a billionaire. I think it was um, uh, the uh, Virgin Airlines guy. Mm, Richard or, Branson. Richard Branson. I believe maybe it was him. They, they stayed, these have these, well, I'm not any happier than I was. Okay, then give all your money up and and then, you know, give your island up. It's when
1: agents say it's not about the money. Okay, you charge 0% commission. Have fun with that.
0: Exactly. It's just
1: baloney at the end of the day. I, I have to get to Premier Coaching, but on your point, and I want to leave them with this thought, I cannot tell you how many coaching calls where we're dealing, of course you guys are always going to be dealing with something going on. Health or something with your kids or your parents or your finances, whatever it is. But here's the thing everything's going to continue to happen to you all the time. Look at 2020, stuff's happening all the time. You can deal with those things with money or you can deal with those things without money. One of them is better. One of them allows you to deal with it more efficiently, with less stress, it is better. And on that note, I'm going to go make sure all of our great Premier coaching clients are clear on that.
0: Yes, so Julie is going to run off to attend Premier. Hopefully you guys are going to attend the Premier session live. Um, So to Julie's point, and it was the next point I wrote down, is that at the end of the day, money makes everything better. And I want you to give me an example in your minds. Even though maybe you've been you know, indoctrinated into believing that more money doesn't make, you, doesn't make life better, I want you to give me an example where that possibly could be true. <laughs> Seriously, give me an example where more money doesn't make life better. It makes life easier. It makes it so you don't have to, again, your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that is all squared away. You're good. But beyond that, here's a thought for you. If you do find yourself having a problem of any kind of variety, and I know where your minds are going. You guys are going to try to use health as an example where more money doesn't make life better, and it does. You're wrong. I'll prove it to you in a second. Um, Any kind of problem that you have come up in your life, the more money you have, the easier it is for you to solve that problem, either by hiring people of a higher quality that can solve the problem for you or essentially by making it so that you don't have compounding problems. What do I mean by that? Right now, so many of you listening, what you're going to do involuntarily or frankly after listening to Julie and I bellow at you on our podcast every day, you're doing it voluntarily, is you're going to compound your problems towards the end of this year and next year. You're actually going to make your life a thousand times worse because you don't have money. Because you don't have money coming in, whatever else happens, it's going to be significantly worse. And I gave you guys some, some for examples where in essence when people start having financial problems, They then start to, generally speaking, tear up other and destroy other aspects of their lives. Health problems. I mean, isn't this obvious? When, generally speaking, people run into financial problems, what do they always then? Was it always followed by? Oh, they have now a health problem, self-induced usually. Oh, they have developed a marital problem or relationship issues or whatever, whatever. Because it all comes from the uh, lack of money. It really does. Look, you can have those problems in isolation. All I'm asking you to do is consider do not have lack of money be a problem because it'll make those other problems a lot worse if you have a health problem like Julie did last week and, and we can essentially go to the best doctors that we can possibly find and we're not worrying about co-pays and insurance we can just write a check to basically for, to solve the problems quickly as efficiently as we can that makes it so that yes she still has the health problem but the health problem isn't as bad and now here let's there's the counterpunch to those of you who are saying that you know health is the great equalizer. It is the great equalizer when it comes to money, but you don't think people with money have better health care? Of course they do. Everybody intuitively knows that, right? Of course they do. Now, here's the other thing that money does. Money, when you have enough of it, not only makes your problems go away, or it makes them go away more efficiently, but you can also then choose, when you have money, to make the problems go away of the people that you love and you care about through the same mechanism. So if you have a kid who gets into trouble for some, you know, whatever reason, and you have money, the outcome for that kid is going to be different than if you didn't have the money to basically help the problem to go away. And I'm not saying anything nefarious. I'm just saying the reality of how life actually works. So to think that more more money doesn't make your life better, it's a fallacy. It's just not true. There's no, again, if you guys can think of an example, and I'd really like you to, kind of help me balance out these thoughts and if i'm missing something tell me i'm not infallible. infallible. text me at 512-758-0206 512-758-0206 give me an example where more money doesn't make your life better because i've really thought about this and by the way i've really experienced this too because i was poorer than poor and julie and i got married we we're poorer than poorer than poor right and so we know what it's like not to have money and we've coached coaching clients that basically have, you know, essentially brought themselves up from nothing to something, and then something to something extraordinary. And the more money you have, the more options it creates for you. And ultimately, what you're moving towards is a sense of freedom. That's ultimately what people want. And, and I'm going to get to point four tomorrow and point five, probably the following day. Let me read what point four is. Oh yeah, well I'm teeing it up perfectly. All right, I'll actually read you the first line of point four. What your heart, soul, body, and and spirit uh, search beyond else is freedom, and that is true. So what all of us want is freedom, and what the money does is it gives you, it gets you that much closer to freedom. If you don't have to worry about, I mean, the very basic things of life, right? If you don't have to worry about food and shelter for you, yourself, your loved ones. If you don't have to worry about your security, frankly, if you don't have to worry about all the things that have become normalized and people think it's the you know their lifelong plague that they never can be financially free, then you will always have that 800 pound gorilla. You'll be sitting on a beach someplace, going on vacation, and you'll be just basically counting down in your head how many days left are on your vacation before you have to return home because you're beholden to that paycheck because you're not financially free, right? And look how we passed the plague of debt and uh, essentially being elaborate indentured servants from one generation to the next. Look how we're doing that mindlessly with regards to, I mean, I love to pick on student loan debt because it's such crap, but look how the average kid is being said, in order for you to basically be a functional, you know, in, function in society, you have to have this college degree. Now, when I was a kid, it was just, and I'm 50, it was just starting to become something that was normalized. Like, I remember growing up, and it was like, oh my gosh, going to college, you know, not everyone goes to college. But then when I was in high school, everybody went to college, virtually everyone. You went, I remember in our graduating class, Julie and I went to an AP high school in Worthington, Ohio, to where we met. And I remember there was like maybe three kids that went to the military. The, the rest of them basically went to some college or university. And that be- so where's the specialness if everybody experiences the same thing? And this is back when college and university was, re- you know, they're rel- it was relatively affordable. You could afford it by working a part-time job as a student. And then all of a sudden, student loans became the thing. Then all of a sudden, people that, you know, everyone was being pressured to go into school. And all of a sudden, colleges and universities – saw as this huge influx of applications that and guess what because they can borrow the money they can all pay and because the loan they don't have to, the loans aren't based on anything every a single you know college age kid 17 18 year old kid was a potential recruit into said college or university because the colleges and universities knew how to get all of them student loan money and so they could then basically be you know little cash cows to the college and university it's a business of course it's a business and then you know, I'm a parent. You guys, most of you are parents or you are at least influencers of young people, right? Nephews, nieces and whatnot. How often do we actually have a conversation with them, any of them, about the things I'm talking with you guys about? Never. Why don't we talk about money? Why is it a taboo topic? Why is it a taboo topic in your family? Listeners, why is it a taboo topic with you? Why is even listening to these podcasts since last Wednesday, why if some of you, and I read your texts and your emails and I appreciate it, You're being introspective you know, you're looking inward, analyzing and questioning your own thoughts and motivations with regards to money. Some of you, it seems, based on the words you're sharing with me from your messaging for the very first time, I think it's amazing that you're self-discovering this, or I'm helping you in some way to discover the fact that money is not some sort of big evil thing. And it's not the root of all evil, and it's not all these things that we were raised to believe. Money ultimately, when used correctly, is libertas. Libertas is Latin for freedom. It's freedom. That's what money buys you. You know, money, where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. You guys know that's our definition of rich. When you experience that, when it comes in passively, which all of you guys can create, if you, we talk about this in Harris Rules, our book too, so you might want to read that. If you, I think it's chapter 11. If you actually follow the rules that we lay out, you can be financially free within a year or two. I remember many people who have had this conversation with Ian in live events or basically podcasts, or they read our book, who have sent us or you know pulled us aside at live events and thanked us, saying it was one of the most influential experiences they had because they realized ultimately what they wanted is they wanted to be free, and that is what point four is going to be a rule for when I talk about tomorrow. What you're pursuing, whether you, if you cut through all of it, if you cut through everything, like if I say, what's motivating you? Like, why are you, you know, people want to talk about their big why and their one thing. and all. Okay, let's cut through all of that. Let's cut through, let's just get down to the very base thing. What is all? What is it all this want? We want freedom, right? We want libertas. We want freedom to do what we want to do when we want to do it at the highest level. You see how it's the exact opposite of what you have to do to get freedom? So what you want truly... What all of us want is to do what we want to do when we want to do it, frankly, with the people we want to do it with at the highest level when we choose to do it. You guys get the difference? But you have to earn the right to be free. All of us do. None of us are truly born free. All of us are born basically into this, the machine, right? And you know, maybe it's a little matrixy with the way I'm thinking about this, but it is what it is. All of us are born within this you know, revolving cycle of debt and dependency, all of us are born with this belief that you have to be dependent on a job or you have to be dependent on the government or you have to be... De- and those things actually can provide wonderful backstops for most people and I'm not being critical. I'm not one of these people that says everyone should be self-employed and, you know, screw your job and your job is a bad word. I don't believe that. And I've had many people who have um, messaged us asking us if they should get into real estate and I asked them some questions about their financial needs and I asked them some questions about their, you know, familial commitments and all the rest of it and I don't I have no problem whatsoever telling somebody no they should not be self-employed because they have too many other commitments and the probability of uh, them being successful is too small compared to the probability of them failing and then adversely affecting um, their families and remember I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs and we never had any money so I'm speaking from the heart when I tell people no if you've got a good job that's paying you a lot of money that gives your family and your wife or your husband and your kids financial security your creative you know angst about starting your own business is going to have to take a sidestep to taking care of your obligations you cannot put one in front of the other that is not the way it works The long-term outcome of you doing that will not be favorable even if you are successful in your business it never is now with that said if you wanted to work at part-time, there's plenty of people that can be successful part-time. Our industry craps on people that want to get uh, into real estate part-time, and I don't understand why. It just seems profoundly dumb. If you have a job that gives you financial security, that gives you um, health insurance, that makes it so that you don't have to worry about your base needs with such acuity as, as you would, if, say, for example, you're self-employed or you're poor. Um, so you can do both. I'm you know, taking a side... Uh, side trip here with you guys, but just keeping mentally and emotionally your, your your spirit and your mind and your intentions on track here. Ultimately, if you really ask yourself, if you really drill down, what is it that I want? You want to be free. You want to be free of the burdens of having to work with people you don't want to work with. You want to be free of having to worry about essentially keeping to some sort of rigid schedule, Maybe you'll still, when you uh, reach financial freedom, when you are rich, maybe you'll still want that, finan- that rigid schedule because it gives you, you know, it gets things done. And, you know, maybe it's going to be based on exercise. It's going to be based on volunteering. You want to be free from having uh, to run all of your decisions based on uh, essentially scarcity, right? Because most of your, it's scarcity of time, it's scarcity of resources. You want to spend more time with your family. You want to spend, maybe develop some hobbies that you've never, never been able to develop uh, before. Maybe you want to travel more. Maybe, you know, it doesn't matter. But you can't as long as you're beholden. You can't as long as you're dependent. You'll never be free. And then what, ha- what happens over time is a lot of people lose. They just accept it. You just you just stop pulling against the chains. You stop pulling against the things that are tying you to the, the dock, you know, the mooring lines. You just get used to them. And then everyone else around you, same thing. Everyone's just used to the same thing. They're not used to it. So collectively, people just say, well, I guess this is life. That's all it really is. But in your heart and your soul, you want to be free, don't you? You can't be free. You cannot be free unless you're, and because you're a physical being and a, you know, spirit, or you're a spiritual being in a physical manifestation. You cannot be free unless you're, you're essentially taking care of the financial needs and you're rich. And I'll say it again, in case you haven't listened before, rich is some, not some you know, crazy number that you just pull out of the sky. Rich is the amount of money coming in every single month that meets or exceeds your financial obligations. Now, you could you know, build up on that once you have excessive money coming in from different income sources, but the key is, is the source of money that you have coming in to cover your $7,500 or $10,000 or $25,000 a month, whatever your personal overhead is, that money cannot be dependent on your labor. It cannot be dependent on you. It cannot be dependent on whether you feel like it or whether whatever's going on. It has to be independent. And maybe the best way to accomplish the, you know, hitting that goal is going to be to have multiple sources of income. Now, these are all the types of thoughts that you need to allow yourself to have. Because here's what's really amazing. And I know this sounds bizarre, but it's true. I've done this with so many people coaching clients over the years. I almost think, like, it makes me believe in the woo-woo more than I really want to admit, the pseudoscience mindset stuff. But if you, and Napoleon Hill talked about this originally in in Think and Grow Rich, right? So if you focus your mind on one particular topic or one particular thing that you're trying to accomplish – even if it seems like something that's extreme that you might not ever think in your you know, overly analytical conscious mind you'd be able to accomplish. If you set aside those ego-limiting beliefs about yourself and your potentiality and you just were to focus on and allow yourself just almost like go into a fantasy state in your mind. You know what I'm talking about. If you were to go there and you were to think about the feeling, and this is where it's rooted in, the feeling of, say, having $10,000 a month coming in passively. It, it, you could use this sort of this, this sort of mechanism. It's within all of us uh, to sort of like get the sensation of experiencing anything you'd possibly want. Maybe you want a Ferrari, right? You want to you know sit yourself in that driver's seat and you want to as much as you possibly can imagine what it's like to have the steering wheel in your hand, the paddle shifters, carbon fiber power shifters underneath your fingertips. The more you basically allow yourself to emotionally attach to those things, the more real they become. And then here's where the magic happens. And again, I don't understand how this works. But then all your mind starts focusing on is how to accomplish that goal quickly. And you will then start thinking of things... Or your brain will consciously and subconsciously you'll start dreaming of ways to accomplish the goal because you as you know the spiritual minded or the master the the woo woo aspects of you know life will tell you because you set your intentions on it now, okay I'll, I'll buy that you set your intentions on the accomplishment of that particular goal and now you're putting your unconscious to your subconscious mind into action to create solutions for the problems but that's what's fascinating so within all of us is the ability to uh, accomplish anything we truly want in life. It all starts with essentially that realization that you can. So if you have gotten to the point where, you know, I'm speaking Chinese to you and you don't understand Chinese, right? And you're not understanding a single thing I'm saying. It's probably because you need to have some quiet time and you need to really focus on what it would feel like to be free. And as we discussed last week on this show, some of you are going to get to that very, you're going to start touching on that freedom feeling, and you're gonna get scared. So the first thing that's gonna come back at you when you touch on that freedom, that spark, and you'll feel it, it's gonna be absolute terror. And that's normal. Don't let that discourage you, stick with it. And the reason you're feeling that is because your ego will not be able to be in control of you anymore because your ego likes you to worry. Your ego wants you to worry about scarcity. Your ego doesn't want you to change. Your ego wants you to stay dependent. Your ego wants you to stay small, think small. Your ego wants you to believe that you're constantly under attack. So what you will realize when you feel that little spark, if you allow it to happen, is that's the egoless self that's experiencing, just for a tiny bit, the sense of freedom. And when you've tasted that for the first time, when you've actually allowed that into your heart for the first time, your life changes. It really does, because you'll then know that there's something else there that's beyond your constant veneer of fear and worry. And like I suggested last week, the best way for you to get there the quickest, and this is probably what all of you should be doing, hopefully you're already halfway into this, is do a complete media-free life because you've got to break the dependency that your ego has on sucking in negative information constantly. And that's what's going on in all of our lives if you allow it to happen. And you're, there's going to be no room in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit for any sort of thoughts of, of you know, essentially a, a better form of you, right? There's, you're going to leave no room for any sort of you know, development or any sort of even a tiny thought about what it's going to take for you to get free because you're going to be feeling fear. When you feel fear, guys, that keeps you small. Now, we talked before in this podcast how fear, once you understand the true benefit of it, can actually work to your benefit. Ultimately, you can use it as a tool to motivate you, but many of you haven't gotten to that point yet. I remember when I wasn't there, I remember when I used to be, uh, when I hadn't really done any work of myself with regards to uh, ego and whatnot, um, and I remember how, and what it felt like was when Julie and I sold real estate, right? And I remember what it felt like having that commission check lifestyle, and we sold a crap ton of houses, right? We had a lot of listings. We were very successful, but I remember the frustration of never being able to actually uh, move uh, the convers you know financial our financial lives forward as quickly as we wanted to. And it's for all the usual reasons. The taxes, the you know, state, city taxes, federal taxes, property taxes, all these things. I had all these invisible partners, right? And so do you. And then there were all these and this is back before, <laughs> you know, guys, Julie and I sold real estate, right? When you know, like we bought Tim and Julie Harris dot com. I think we bought that URL in uh 1990 Seven or eight. We bought the URL com back when they first started selling URLs. How crazy is that? Think about that. So, a majority of our, we, we have half our real estate career basically um, before the internet and half after the internet. And I have to say, things have become, after the internet, a thousand times more confusing as far as how to basically be successful in real estate because you have all these people trying to sell you crap that's supposed to, you know, do all the heavy lifting of real estate for you and none of it's real. It's all fake. It's all trying to play into your fear of you know being rejected and all these things. Again, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but listen to past podcasts. So the reason those things don't work is they're not designed to work. They're not designed to deliver the product or the service that they promise. For the most part, they're just designed to basically placate your need not to ever feel rejected and separate you from your money. Not all of them are a hundred percent like that, but a hundred percent of them are probably seventy-five percent like that. They use you guys to test out their theories and their, you know, the appeal that they have towards many of you is a very, you know, it's it's. Selling you into being lazy, basically. It's selling you into the idea that you don't have to learn to do the real work of real estate. That somehow magically you're just gonna meander into you know multi-million dollar deals and because people liked your you know your your Instagram posts. It doesn't work like that. It's all an elegant lie. And that's this is the reason I'm saying that it's harder for you guys to be successful nowadays because you have to be really good at saying no and that's the most powerful word you can have and when you're basically thinking about um you know it's what julie says right focus is follow one course until successful but you guys don't do that you dart around everywhere you know you're you're following this breadcrumb and that breadcrumb you're you know going after this bright shiny light and going after that bright bright shiny light guys you acting like that living like that you're never going to be free because you're going to spend all your money looking for shortcuts Right? How many of you, when faced with an obstacle, the first thing you look for is a hack? The first thing you look for is a shortcut? You don't actually think that you're going to work through it. Why do you think like that? Do you not realize the fallacy of thinking like that? It never works. It never will work. And it's going to keep you broke. It's going to keep you dependent. So maybe the thing inside of you that's looking for the shortcut or looking for the hack is the exact same thing inside of you that's keeping you broke, it's keeping you from doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Does that make sense, guys? Because the truth is, everything you want in life, it doesn't matter what category of, you know, it could be physical, family, spiritual, educational, you know, financial, anything. It all is on the other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. And you need to think about that because it's the truth. You know, as much as that is, <laughs> as much as it sucks, to be honest with you, it's the truth, and most of the hardest things in life uh, do suck. They just do, and the, the, the things that have the biggest payoff. But when you have accepted, essentially, that you can be rich, and not your lifetime, but like, you know, a next couple years, maybe some of you, I've had people do it in 12, 18 months, where they have enough money coming in passively, they no longer have to work for their money. I don't think I've had a single person that stopped working. What they've done is they've used the money from selling real estate um, to then reinvest so they'll take the money that they had from the commissions and that money no longer has to be spent on paying bills because they have the money coming in then they start creating multiple streams of income um, and look you don't even have to have a million dollars to be rich you can have it doesn't even matter what the amount is you could have money coming in from you know revenue share at exp you could have money coming in from um, you know paid off rentals you could have money coming in off rentals with mortgages you could have all that When I'm talking about passive income, I'm not talking about money that's coming in from your brokerage or coming in from your team. That doesn't count. Um, Even though sometimes it is passive because somebody else did the work, that doesn't count because that's still dependent on you. I'm talking about money that's not dependent on you. Every single one of you need to be moving towards that. At least move towards the idea that your life would be a hell of a lot better if you were rich. Your life would be a hell of a lot better in every single way. What would it feel like? We're going to go back to thinking about something here, and then I'm around the bend. What would it feel like right now? And some of you I know, which is awesome, you already live like this. But if you wanted to dream up the biggest surprise for your family for Christmas, right? Or if you don't celebrate Christmas, whatever you're doing at the end of the year. So what is it that you'd love to do? What, what, what would be something that would absolutely, like it would, be, it would become part of your historic archive and they'd be singing folk songs about you, you know, around the campfire a thousand years from now, right? Because of this amazing uh, Christmas present or this amazing thing that you did for your family. If you really set your mind free, and I'll tell you where most of you are going to be shut down immediately when you start fantasizing about this, is the money, right? Right? don't you immediately go to your essentially living within the confines of your own financial paradigm at present? Isn't that interesting? So maybe some of you thought, well, shit, I'd love to fly everyone to you know see Tim and Julie at the Ritz-Carlton in Puerto Rico. And we could sit on the beach and we could go and have that experience. And then maybe after that, we'd fly around and go to Europe or I don't know what, right? You have this fantasy. Or maybe you want to you know take everyone on a Disney cruise. And those are Gastardly expensive, right? Or you want to stay at the Hard Rock in Orlando, extremely expensive. And you know you want to take your kids, whatever it is. Or maybe you just want to jump on a private jet and you want to fly to you know Big Sur, California, and go to Post Ranch, one of really nice favorite places right on the coast, as a complete surprise to your loved one, right? Whatever it is. But your belief, your essential, the the box within you allow, that you allow your your dreams to go is so small because of the way you see yourself financially because you're still dependent on the money. Your mind immediately goes to how many transactions do I have to do? It immediately goes to like, how am I going to save the money? immediately goes to work, scarcity, whatever, because you're trapped in the system. And so what do you do? That big private jet that you're going to fly to Big Sur and you're going to stay at post ranch and you're going to have that experience. Now, basically, you're going to settle for going to the lake, the same place you go every single year. That's an hour drive from where you live now. Sound about right? See what happened? is You gave up on it right when you were about to start. Right when you were about to start. So whatever it is that you're fantasizing about, whatever it is that you would love to experience, maybe it's a selfish thing, that's fine. Or maybe it's a thing for your family. Maybe you want to donate money. Maybe you want to build a wing on your local you know, humane society. I don't know. But if you start actually thinking about those things, the first reaction your ego is going to be going is, oh no, 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 no. You're not thinking that big. You are not the person that can accomplish those things in your lifetime. Those are for other people. You are not that person. You are going to be dependent on selling houses one at a time. You're never going okay, right? You see how our subconscious minds start filling us with all these limiting beliefs about what we're capable of. That's your ego. If you want to know what it is, there it is. Every single one of you probably have experienced that very... This process I just walked you through. Subconsciously, you just took your mind through it, didn't you? You were just thinking about some extraordinary thing you could do for your family at the end of the year. And then all of a sudden, you see how quick your ego shut it down saying, not for you? Wasn't that interesting, listeners? Now, expand that. Compound that over a lifetime. And look at all the things that you basically have shut yourself off to... You know, just because of the fact that you, ha- your ego doesn't want you to ever be free. Your ego wants you to think small. That feeling of fear, of feeling, of thinking big, or remember, I was um, when some of you guys have you gone down this rabbit hole and you actually for the first time felt the feeling of no longer being dependent and having money come in. And that initial spark, some of you experience of fear, that's your ego. It really is. Look, we don't need to drill down anymore on what ego is. If you guys want to study that, there's a great book by our friend Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. You can get that on Amazon. And also on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, I interviewed Ryan for three hours, I think. And there's you know, a great series of uh, videos that we filmed at one of our events back when there were live events. Remember the good old days? And uh, you can listen to those too. There's a little side trip some of you need to take if you're serious about sort of like doing some you know self-diagnostics as to why you're not accomplishing more with your life. It really is all the things that I've been building up to. over the, Since last Wednesday, go back and listen to the podcast. The recurring theme is, is how you react, how, what you allow yourself to do where you allow your thoughts to go what actions you choose to take consistently remember guys it's the doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level a lot of people get started but they don't stay with it long enough they never get the, the payoff or they just basically don't think they can accomplish anything much beyond what they've already accomplished and their ego is telling them to be fearful oh my gosh what happens this is the other thing right some of you may have experienced this what happens if i decide that i want to buy a house on the lake you know, and I want to surprise my family. And this is something we've always wanted. And this is something, you know, this will be a thing that I would be forever proud of myself having, having accomplished. And then how fast, how quickly does your ego pop back in and say, oh boy, what if you go ahead and say every, tell everyone you're going to buy this house in the lake and you don't accomplish it and, and then you're going to have failed. You better not even set that goal. You sure as hell better not tell anyone that you've set the goal, you know, right? You guys get the point? see how your ego shuts you down tries to keep you small and the older you get the more dominant that voice is in your head when you're younger you're you, you still haven't you, you're generally speaking you still can create that's the the beauty of youth but the you know the pisser of youth nowadays is they're so burdened with debt and that's real and that's not something that makes any sense so hopefully you guys are following all these similar <laughs> connected thoughts as i'm walking you through these different points but do follow tomorrow, do stay um, you know listening to the podcast every day. I certainly appreciate it. you guys are continuing to make this number one listen to daily podcasts for agents. So rule number four, and we'll drill down on this even more tomorrow, is what your heart, your soul, your mind, your body and spirit search for beyond all else, is freedom. And you can have that sensation. You can be literally free now. You can be. You can actually accomplish that for yourself and for your family in the next 12 to 24 months. If you have big burn rate, personal, you know, overhead, maybe it takes you five years. Who cares? You can get it. Why not have that be your thing of finally being free? Why not have that be your 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 overriding, overarching goal of being financially free? You have to. You know, obviously, it's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some absolute unbelievable focus, but you can do it. Go through these mental exercises that I suggest to you guys. They really do help. Um, these are the exact same conversations I've had with literally thousands of coaching clients. And those who have taken it seriously have had amazing breakthroughs. So as soon as you, basic, as soon as you get this concept of what I'm trying to explain to all of you guys, at least you feel it. You don't, have, don't try to intellectually understand it because you, you're already thinking way too much. Just try to feel it. But then what happens is once you've attached to it, once you realize you can accomplish it, once you start making it real for you, that all of a sudden, all the things in your life that you don't want to do, you're willing to do because what you want or the feeling that you had of being financially free, of experiencing libertas for the first time in your life, that very emotion will push you through the doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. It will. Because that is the essentially the birth or the... I don't know, maybe the discovery or rediscovery for some of you of your inner self and what you really long for. None of you longed for being dependent. None of you longed for, or frankly, were created just to be essentially an indentured servant in the machine. All of you can be financially free if you choose for yourselves to be financially free. Take this stuff seriously, guys. You only live once and you're dead a real long time. You might as well make the most of this go around. Have a fantastic day.